0: Hello, welcome to Paranormal Explorers Podcast. I am your host, Keith Patras. This is the first inaugural episode of the Paranormal Explorers podcast. And yes, we are one podcast among hundreds of paranormal podcasts. So, what can you expect from us? Well, we were created to highlight paranormal stories from around the world. You know, from ghosts to haunted houses all the way to Bigfoot and UFOs, and we're going to cover it. We want to provide, you know, a skeptic but understanding view of the paranormal. And so what does that mean? It means that you can expect us to not judge anything we find from either you, our awesome listeners, or what we find on our own. Instead, we're going to have a healthy discussion. Having it set up this way, we are encouraging scientific talk about the paranormal as a whole, but I think we're also gonna be able to foster really good conversation. And I think that that's super important. being able to have conversation in such a way that, you know, really, I don't know, really allow us To have these conversations, right? Because the paranormal is a topic that a lot of skeptics and non believers uh, find ways to discredit, right? And of course, there are hoaxes and there are always ways to discredit. Absolutely. I completely agree. I know that these things happen, and we all know that these things have happened, right? So, you know. That is definitely the way to go, to have these conversations in such a way that doesn't make the listener or, you know, others feel like, I don't know, we are not allowing them a space to talk. That's what it is. We deserve a space. And that's what the Paranormal Explorers podcast is really looking to fill. And we have other podcasts that, of course, that are similar to what we do. And we're coming in here a little bit later than others. But I really feel that our dynamic is what's going to really help this, right? And when I say we, I'm referring to the other founder and co-host of this podcast. His name is David. Uh, He can't be with us for this first episode. Um, He's currently moving From our home state in Colorado to Nevada. So, he's indisposed right now. We're going to go ahead and, you know, and and we're really going to set this episode up. So, tonight, we have a few treats for you. Right? So, we got a flying head from Thailand. A ghostly tale about a cemetery in Buenos Aires. Just to name a few. So... What do you say we jump into our first topic? Our first topic takes us across the cold waters of the Atlantic to Europe. In a tale, that is almost as scary as it is sad. We're going to talk about The Legend of a Mistletoe Bug. Now this is an odd tale that in typical fashion is full of sadness and death. The legend gets its start in England around 1822 from a poem written by Samuel Rogers titled Jin. Now, you can find a copy to this poem in its full length in the show notes, and I encourage you to click it, you know, take a look at it, see what you have to see, because I'm going to tell you right now that this is scary, and it's one of those poems that really, you know makes you kind of feel sad. So we'll leave it with that. Okay? The legend gets a start in England. Like I said before, about 1822. Now, there are plenty of mansions and stately homes that lay clay to this legend that it happened there. But there is no concrete poof of any particular one that is the actual location where this took place. Samuel Rogers, at the beginning of his poem, he states, the story is, I believe, founded on fact. Through the time, though the time and the place are uncertain, many old houses lay claim to it. So, how does this story go? Well, I'm going to tell you. As the story goes, a young woman was about to get married. And she decided that she wanted to hold the wedding in the backyard of the large farmhouse where she grew up. It was a beautiful wedding. And everything went perfectly. Afterward, the guests played some party games. And someone suggested hide-and-seek so they could get the children to play, too. It wouldn't be hard to find a place to hide around the house. The bride wanted to make sure that she won the game. And when no one was looking, she slipped inside the house. She ran up to the attic, found an old trunk, and hid it, where no one could find her. Her new husband wasn't worried, though. He figured she must have just gotten tired and went inside to rest. And so everyone went home. However... When the groom looked around the house, he couldn't find her anywhere. He and her parents filed a missing persons case, but she was never found. A few years later, as the story goes, when her mother had died, the woman's father went to go through his late wife's things that were collecting dust in the attic, and he came to an old chest. The lid was closed, and the old lock was rusted over. When he opened it, he was literally terrified to see his daughter's decaying body. When she hid there, the lid had closed, and the rusty parts of the lock had latched together, trapping her until that very moment where she was found. Now, this story does have a few variations, and one of the most notorious variations of the story is instead of her father finding her, it was a cleaning lady. And the cleaning lady found her and when she found her she screamed and then the husband her, her you know her late husband or her husband, I'm sorry, had come running up to find her locked in this old trunk. So there are a couple different variations on what we might hear. There is even a song written about this, and this song is called The Mistletoe Bow, composed by Sir Henry Bishop and T.H. Bailey. Now, Sir Henry Bishop composed the tune Home Sweet Home, and you can find a link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to the song. But I'm also going to go ahead and play you guys a little sound because this is this is quite the creepy song and, and I'ma tell you what, I I gotta say it's some scary stuff, guys. So, without further ado, this is the mistletopo, composed by Sir Henry Bishop and T. H. Thank you. that is quite the terrifying song, I have to admit. Um, the video that accompanies this song is actually the original kind of play, you could say. Um, and it's it's quite interesting. It was filmed um, in turn of the century. And so I would encourage you to check out the show notes and really take a look at that. It is, it's quite creepy, I have to admit. Um, you know, stories like this really come throughout history, right? And and you can tell how they change as the times change, right? We we have, you know, the early eighteen hundreds and the girl gets locked in her chest, right? In this old home. And there are even versions of the story that take place, you know, the mid nineties. Um so I really feel that this story really changes as time goes on right and and i think that that's incredibly important um we should never you know stop telling the tales of those around us and so that's incredibly important in in my in my opinion um so there's that of course so now we're going to go ahead and we're going to shift gears From a a story about a tragedy to something super creepy and this kind of just really adds a stereotypical scary stuff right so we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna move across over to Asia and specifically we're gonna take a look at Malaysia and the Philippines and we get a look at our next spooky tent. We're gonna go ahead and start with a news article before we jump into what this is. And, and this news article comes to us from 2015 on Nakhon Luang District in Thailand. And this news report tells us that 30 chickens were killed by an unknown force that many believe to be fine Corrupts. Now, if I'm saying it's wrong, please jump on Twitter. Let me know. I definitely don't want to say it wrong. So (laughs) please help me with the pronunciation if you can. I would really appreciate it. Um, So the news report goes like this. It goes, on October 5th, this reporter was informed by the villagers in the Han Luang District, uh, Si, I Haya province, that there were more than 100 chickens raised by villagers in Ta Chang Subdistrict, and had signs of being bitten on the body. And they were gutted out to eat until it was criticized. That is the skill of a ghost or an orger, ogre. Therefore, we went to inspect the house at number 881 half Mu 3 Tai Chang Subdistrict. The house of Miss Munanam Furab, who's 69 years old, the owner of the house, she found in front of her house that there were chickens that were dead. And the chicken coop next to the house was filled with feathers that were falling all over the place. And she found the carcasses of more than 30 dead chickens. Which had a wound on their bodies, like, being marked. And there were some guts that were missing. So, you know, that's a pretty ominous, you know, story. Like, you know, they found 130 chickens that were just completely gutted out. And they have no explanation, right? And so, what's the first explanation that they jump to, right? The first thing that they jump on is the Phi Krauss suit, right? And so... We have to ask ourselves, you know, what exactly this thing is. And, and so I'm going to tell you, what is this, right? So, the belief in the existence of this creature is shared throughout many southern and southeast Asian countries, right? Um, and they don't have really any origin to back this up. We're not quite sure exactly where it started. Um, However, they believe that it likely originates in folklore tales, right? So, in Thailand, this thing, uh, the Krasu, is believed to be a cursed individual, right? And usually this is a female um, who engaged in various sins and fraudulent conduct during her previous life. And so after she dies, her sins cause her to be wrong reborn as a futi now this futi has to live off of wasted uncooked or rotten food right so you're reincarnated into this thing that has to live off of wasted or uncooked or rotten food right i mean this is incredible to even think about and so this thing is a head with a spine and its guts are hanging below it as it floats through the sky. And let's continue the story. I wanted to give you that imagery. You could kind of think about that. Imagine seeing something like that. Walking throughout your, you know, your day or at night. I mean, that's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> so there are a few thai stories that go along with this right the entertainment industry in thailand eats this up and there's quite a few movies that we could check out here right so the origin of karsu as cursed from ancient camera princess as in demonic beauty um, and that's 2002 and i've shared a link to that imdb for this um, in the show notes so you can go ahead and check that out so this is the story of that specifically right so the this is how it goes: the kidnapped princess of the Kermer Kingdom cheated on her husband, who is a general. And this general, or and, and so, so she cheated on her husband with a soldier, right? And he was the, he was a general. And so the soldier was decapitated, while this princess was burned to death. However, before she died, she chanted a spell to protect her mortal body but she was only able to save her head and her organs. (laughs) That's creepy. And so this depiction, however, merely is just an attempt to put a royal touch or to reinvent a mythical beginning into the well-known story of essentially folk origin. Um, And it's strictly for entertainment and commercial purpose. Right? And so the oral tradition says that a spirit was formerly a rich lady that had a length of black gauze or ribbon tied around her head and her neck as protection from the sun sign, sun shine. This woman was then possessed by an evil spirit and was cursed to become a cross suit. And so it's just that, right? It's very, very simple legend. Um, you know, There are a few other popular legends that that lay claim to the origin of the spirit. And they're saying that it might have just been, you know, a woman trying to learn black magic uh, that made a mistake or used the wrong spell so that her head and her body became separated. Um, And past sins are also related to the transmission of this curse. So women who aborted or killed someone in a previous life Will typically become a cross zoo as punishment for these deeds. Other folk stories talk about a person being cursed to become this creature after having consumed food and drink contaminated with the saliva or the flesh of this creature. Another thing that goes along with this is that, you know, there's a really popular legend. That claims the transformation into this creature is largely restricted to the relatives of women practicing witchcraft. Maimot um, or Yamot, especially their daughters or granddaughters. You know, often women acting strangely in a community are suspected of becoming nightly, you know becoming by night a Krasu by other members of the village. A news article regarding the Krasu. Another thing that's included in the show notes with this is a red light. Now, red lights are commonly associated in Thailand culture with the Krasu. And so there's a YouTube video that I'm going to go ahead and link. And this YouTube video is going to really depict and show you, you know, exactly what I'm talking about here. So we'll make sure. Um, to click to check the show notes and check that out. So let's kind of move on to like the scientific explanation of this, right? So what could this be? Um, so a possible scientific explanation is that these sightings are caused from blazing by the blazing flames from methane gas particles emitted from rotten organic matters such as uh, found food or sorry, farms or fields. Now, the cross sightings are commonly reported in farms and fields. And I feel like, you know, blazing flames from methane gas particles emitted from rotten food, it might be just a little bit of a bar fetch. You know what I'm saying? I, I am less likely to believe something of that nature um, than I am to even believe in this. So I highly doubt... It would have to be a lot of methane gas, right? I mean, the the, the parts per million would have to be absolutely off the chart. I, I don't really see how it would be any less than something like that. So I doubt it. Um, not saying that it isn't possible, I guess, uh, but I feel like it's hardly or highly unlikely, right? And so... There's a doctor, right? There's an associate professor, doctor. Uh, I'm not even going to try to say his name. Uh, Tao Pravuni, Pravun. Uh, he's an energy research from King Mongkut's University of Technology and Thumburi. And his thi- hypothesis is that the crust is actually burning methane gas particles, which are, uh, which is impossible, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. So burning methane gas particles are impossible, possible because not enough methane is emitted from rotten organic matter to be able to cause an ignition and that even if the methane gas particles did ignite, the burning would be confined to the surface of the organic flammable matter. It would not lead to floating flames that allegedly give the illusion of, of this creature. Um, right? So it just it doesn't just doesn't make sense. It really, it really doesn't. So we'll go ahead and move on to one other thing, right? And, and, and it super spooky, right? And it still makes you turn your head a little bit in dis- disbelief. And, you know, no matter what the cause is, a, ca- a head with entrails that fly through the sky, killing things is incredibly scary right I, no matter what you do and it's gonna scare the hell out of you <laughs> whether or not it's real is irrelevant in this case because the legend itself is terrifying as hell right and so i got a little bit of evidence to go with that um and i've included that stuff in the show notes one more thing that i'll go ahead and note is a youtube video of a cctv footage right and so uh 2016 on September 13th about 9:30 p.m. Um, the C T the C C T footage that's found at this YouTube video um, captured from a house right it captures some strange lights. The woman, the owner of the house, who first reviewed the C C T footage, said that she was watching television at that time, and that she had heard a loud barking dog. So she went outside to check the source of the sound, but she didn't see anything. Uh, so she looked at her C C T V monitor. Um, She saw the strange lights, which she watched for almost an hour until the lights floated to the fence of her house and moved near the chicken coop and the star gooseberry tree. She became scared and called her neighbor, along with her father and her two other employees, whom she she all asked to help her investigate those lights. However, upon their investigation, they didn't find any. Uh, she said that in the time of the event that there was bad weather during uh, two or three days and it's sprinkling and the nighttime comes faster than normal. Um, so after about 10 days at uh, 8.28 p.m. on September 23rd, she saw the lights in the backyard again. Uh, this time she asked her son to investigate, but he found nothing. Now her her neighbors believe that it's this creature, the Krasu. Um, and at this time there were chickens and cats that the villagers were missing for unknown reasons. Um, however, according to Doctor Jacida, uh, then yeah, Jacida D. I can't say this last name. Uh, this person's a skeptic. The strange lights actually came from the flashlight held by someone in front of the house. On um, this explanation, however, was rejected by the television program for reporting the incident. So I have a link to that YouTube video. Um, it is in a different language and there's no translation. So just a, a heads up on that. Um, and I have another link uh, to it being captured on a phone camera. I have a less tendency to believe phone cameras as the editing abilities are a little bit easier right from your phone. Um, I've also included a link to the legend uh, and, and another YouTube video right uh, so. Let's move on, you know, to. Now, this is still pretty, pretty terrifying, right? So I'm from Colorado and and so is my co-host Dave. And I grew up in Denver primarily, and Denver has its fair share, you know, of strange paranormal stuff. It, it's just how it is. Um, the one that I'm talking about specifically, well, and, and with that too, right? So, this state has tons of, of of horror stories and legends and things that go along with it, right? That being said, we have things like the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, which. Stan Kubrick used, or not Stan Kubrick, I'm sorry, I apologize. Uh, Stephen King used as the basis of the Overlook Overlook Hotel in The Shining. However, The Shining was not filmed at the Stanley Hotel. It was filmed at a makeshift hotel in Oregon. We also have the Hotel Colorado, which is in Glenwood Springs. And uh, that's pretty... supposedly haunted thing we also have a few what you could call what i've heard others call like hometown legends right that's a really good way to put it a few legends that just kind of follow colorado you know colorado is a mining state you know and it's one of those things where you are absolutely able to find one pretty much anywhere that you go right so we're going to focus on one today, and the one we're going to focus on is a tale of murder, uh, devil worshipping, a sacrifice, a lady in white, and even the gates to hell. I want to welcome you to Riverdale Road in Thorn College. Now, this road connects Brighton to Thorn, and is about 11 miles long. It's very curvy, and it's wooded, and is said to house some pretty crazy stuff. Now, I will note that since this legend, and within the last few years, this area has been redeveloped, and some of these places no longer exist. The house is gone the property upon which the house sit on now is home to a state park and so the gates to hell are no longer standing at least not visibly so why don't we go ahead and get to some of these stories maybe a little background Now, there are iron gates that lock the entrance of what used to be the Walpert Mansion. Now, these are called the gates to hell, and the reports here are pretty crazy, to say the least. In the basement of the chicken coop, it is said that David Wolpert, the husband in this family, practiced Satanism and sacrificed animals in order to do a deal with the devil. Now, a little background on David here. David came west, from the east, uh, in order to get involved in the gold rush. Instead, he actually ended up settling in Colorado and farming, uh, to which he was very, 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 very successful. And he built this mansion with his family. Now it's said uh, that David went crazy and murdered his entire family. After doing so, he burnt his mansion to the ground with his family inside and fleed, and they never caught him. Now, that sounds like a pretty scary story in itself, right? And there are accounts on this road of of seeing a woman in white walking down the road. And this is said to be David Wolpert's wife. Now, that's, that's pretty terrifying, if I do say so myself. Um, there's also a jogger who is said to stop. And when you're sitting at the base of this hill, there's a, there's a little bit of a hill. And the rumor is that this jogger was killed while he was out jogging one night. And sometimes you're able to go. If you get to a certain part of the road and you stop and you look up, you'll see him in a bird mirror. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty terrifying stuff. so it's rumored that David Wolper practiced Satanism and he sacrificed animals in order to do the deal with the devil now. It also said that throughout the history of this property, numerous heads of dead animals were found. And the scariest part of this story, it was rumored that David was so far into Satanism that he became possessed. And once he was possessed, he murdered his entire family. Like I said before, and he burned the house down to the ground and he disappeared but not before he performed his rituals in the basement of the chicken coop which lay adjacent to the house now this chicken coop allegedly had a basement and in this basement many 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 satanistic rituals were performed now in my opinion that is very terrifying and I tend to err on the side of caution when it involves anything demonic. As I'm sure many of my listeners do, and many of you that have experience in the paranormal area understand <laughs> when it comes to Satan and it comes to demons, it's best to just leave that stuff alone. So, we went we did some research. We're gonna go ahead and discredit this story. Just a little bit. In a book written by the historians of Adams County, which is where this takes place, in a book called Forgotten Past of Adams County, Volume 1, there's a story. And this story is the story of David Wolpert. Now, I have a link to the story in the show notes, okay? And so, if you want to go ahead and take a look, by all means, please, please, please go and take a look. Of course, at your own caution. Now. Right? Why should we be cautious? Well, there's a few reasons. The biggest reason being that it's now public property. and Well, private property, public property, right? After dark, the cops may not be too keen to you being on that road. Uh, especially in the area where David Wolpert's uh, mansion was. So please, please be weary. The next thing is that when it deals with Satan, we have a tendency to just kind of stay the hell away, right? So, here's the history that I was talking about. Adams County. Around 1 a.m. on November 28th, 1975, A home located at 9190 Riverdale Road became engulfed in flames. The two-story brick home, believed to have been built in the 1860s, was severely damaged. The Denver Post reports, The flames Friday left only remnants of the walls of the main building, plus a smaller structure in the rear. No fatalities or injuries were reported, as the home had not been inhabited at the time of the fire. So, we talk about this, right? And I have to keep going on about the Wolpert Mansion. Now, to kind of discredit this a little bit, David Wolpert died October 21st, 1909. And he is buried in the Riverside Cemetery. In Colorado. In Next to his wife. So, I don't believe that he did, in fact, do the things they say he did. And even if he did, in terms of the Satan worshipping, I want to say that it is not at least uncommon during that time period to accuse strange people of strange things, right? So, I don't believe. That at least with David Wolpert's part, that he burned his house down and sacrificed his family. Now, I can't comment on whether or not he was practicing Satanism or not, and whether or not he made a deal with the devil. That is something only David will ever know. But the story itself is intriguing, to say the least. Right? So in its own stuff. It is a terrifying account. And Riverdale Road is one of those roads that just has so many stories. Um, There are even tales of skinwalkers that go along with this, right? And it's... And so, we go ahead and move into the final Now, this story I wasn't able to find as much information on as I would have liked. And I really think that maybe that adds mystery to this story overall. And so, we'll go ahead and jump right in. So, this takes us over to Buenos Aires, to the Recoleta Cemetery. Now, the Recoleta Cemetery is home to the remains of the country's founding families, 26 Argentine presidents, and Eva Perón. Now, the most well-known story here is a story that dates back to the early 20th century, and it is about Rufina Cambrases. She was 19 years old, she was a socialite, and she died suddenly while she was preparing to see a show at the Colombia. Now, she was transported to the cemetery by horse-drawn carriage on a rainy day after her death in 1902. Uh, and due to weather, the workers left her casket in the cemetery chapel to be interred later. Now, the next day, the worker discovered that the casket had been moved and the lid was out of place. And so, immediately, they suspect great robbing, Right. And the family asked the casket to be open just to make sure that nothing was missing. And when they lifted the lid... They saw that all of her jewelry was still in place. That the inside of the casket had been scratched, and her extremities were bruised. And so, essentially, what had happened is she had been buried alive, and she tried to scratch her way out of the casket. So, how exactly does something like this happen, right? You know, and even in the early 19, you know early 20th century, like. How do we come to a point where something gets buried alive? It, it happens a lot. Um, and so what they're saying is that her actual cause of death was that she had died of a heart attack due to a lack of air and panic. Right. So what happened to get her into the you know, that heart attack, in the, you know, the casket in the first place, right? And it, it's something called cataplexy. Right? And so I did a little bit of research, so you don't have to And what is cataplexy? Right? Cataplexy is a sudden and transient episode of muscle weakness accompanied by full conscious awareness, typically triggered by emotions such as laughing, crying, or terror. And ironically enough, it affects 70, approximately 70% of people who have narcolepsy and is caused by an autoimmune destruction of the hypothalamic neurons that produce neuropeptide, which regulates arousal and has a role in the stabilization of the transition between wake and sleepy states, right? So it affects people who have narcolepsy. Um, And if you're listening to this and you have narcolepsy, you should let me know if you've ever experienced anything like this. Um, it's, It's very interesting, right? And so essentially what happens... Attacks are brief, most lasting from a few seconds to a couple of minutes, and are typically involved in dropping the jaw, neck weakness, and or buckling of the knees. Even full-blown collapse, people are usually able to avoid injury because they learn to notice the feeling of cataplectic attack approaching, and the fall is usually slow and progressive. Speech may be slurred, and vision may be impaired, but hearing and awareness remain normal. Um, These attacks are self-limiting and resolved without the need for medical intervention. So the person is reclining, comfort- reclining comfortably. He or she may transition into sleep, essentially. So it's kind of one of those things that's kind of strange. Now it's one of those one-off things, you know. That's pretty terrifying, right? And so, like I said before, the explanation that was given was given by the doctors: catalepsy, right? And this is a pretty common diagnosis during this age. Um, The Buried Alive diagnosis is what they call it. And uh, Edgar Allan Poe uses it in his poem, The Premature Burial. And I will go ahead and include the link to that in the show notes just so you guys can, you know, check it out. So with that, we're going to go ahead and end the podcast. Once again, I would like to thank you all for checking us out on our inaugural podcast. All of the audio that you hear is used under the free commons license and that super spooky background music that you hear is provided courtesy of Feslian Studios. And you can find us on social media at on Twitter at paranormal e p and if you want to share some stories with us, anything that you've seen or witnessed, you can stay anonymous if you'd like, and go ahead and DM it to us on Twitter. Or you can shoot us an email. You don't have to include your name. You can share an audio file that way. At uh, Our email address will be paranormalexplorerspodcast at gmail.com. And that's all the time that we have for tonight. We'll see you next time. Stay scary.